the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. That's what leadership is about. That's what Nehemiah is doing here. He would not hurt the people. He knew that he was sent by God to help the people. Integrity demands that we serve them by easing their burdens. Men and women who lead with integrity don't run over people to accomplish their objectives. Did you get that? They don't do that. They adapt their leadership to the needs of their people. In other words, they're sensitive to the people they serve. The people under you don't exist to serve you. That's just a a totally opposite way of looking at how the world views leadership. The people under you don't exist to serve you. You exist as a leader to serve them. In our English New Testaments, the word servant is usually used to translate the Greek word doulos, which is literally a bond slave. A servant is also sometimes used to translate diakonos, the word for deacon or minister. In fact, those two Greek words are synonyms. They both indicate a person who is not at his or her own disposal. There are no truly great leaders who are not also servants at heart. In fact, James Packer wrote that gifted leaders who are self-centered and loveless are a blight to the church rather than a blessing. We will see today on Verse by Verse that servant leadership is the biblical pattern as Pastor Steve Kreloff wraps up this three-part message from the book of Nehemiah. In our last class, Pastor Steve quoted Job who said, Until I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. And David who said, But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. If you have your Bible, please turn to Nehemiah chapter 5. Here's Pastor Steve to continue our study of leadership. Nehemiah did not abuse his position. And that's a great truth for us. And and, and, uh, we need to follow Nehemiah. Even if everybody else in our culture does something else, we need to follow Nehemiah's example and do the right thing in every situation. I mean, men and women of principle until the day that we die. And at our funeral... Whoever speaks can say, this person lived by the principles of the truths of the Word of God. It was Job who said, I, uh, until I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. That's a great truth. And Job didn't. Job didn't know what was going on, but he didn't put his integrity away from him. King David said, but as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Great truths. So, if you have abused your position as a leader, then put a stop to it right now. Confess it, repent. You may have to go to somebody and ask them to forgive you. You may have to make restitution. If you've taken something, it's not yours, but you need to do that. You need to get that straightened out. So what are the marks of a leader's integrity? He refuses to use his privileges for the sake of others. 
Secondly, he refuses to abuse his position to benefit himself. There's a third mark of a leader's integrity as he refuses to add burdens to his people. Verses 17 and 18 say this, Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now that which was prepared for each day was one ox and six choice sheep. Also birds were prepared for me, and one, once in ten days all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. And for all this I did not demand the governor's food allowance because the servitude was heavy on this people. These verses simply tell us that at his own personal expense, Nehemiah regularly provided food for over 150 guests. And it, was, it must have been very expensive. He just kept an open house. must have been very expensive because each day he had uh, ox and six sheep, birds, and once every 10 days all kinds of, of wines were brought in. That gets expensive. You know, you just have a family over for dinner and, and it, it's expensive. Uh, must have been very expensive for him. But even though he could have taxed the people, would have been within his right. He did not do that. And and why didn't he do it? Because the end of verse 18 says, because the servitude was heavy on this people. In other words, he had compassion on the people. And he didn't want to add to their burdens. So he said, I'll, I'll do it. Which brings us to a terrific point about leadership and integrity. Have you ever wondered why you're a leader? Have you ever wondered why you lead either children or you have a ministry at the church or at your job, you have a leadership position? You know why? Now, the world would tell you so you can lord it over people. They may not be as blatant as that, but that's what they really mean. You're in charge. You call the shots. You're the boss. That's why. Remember that picture? Who is it? That uh, chicken looking at the little chicks and says, I'm the mother. That's why. You know, but that's kind of the attitude because I'm in charge. That's why. Don't ask any questions. But I'll tell you, the reason you are a leader The reason that you're over someone is for their benefit, not your own. That's biblically an accurate statement. True biblical leadership is called loving service. And Jesus spoke directly about this in Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, many of us are familiar with this, this passage, because there's a great contrast between the world's perspective of leadership and God's perspective. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. Now, you know, these guys are macho men. They get mama to do this. And I've always marveled. These guys want to have the highest place in the kingdom, and they say, Mom, would you go and do it? And uh, she does it for her boys. Uh, She makes a request. He said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom... These two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. In other words, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, I want my sons to be the top dogs. I want everybody to esteem them. I want everybody to look up to them. I want uh, them to uh, be in charge. Of course, not over you, but uh, over everybody else. And that's, by the way, why the ten became indignant. It says that they they became indignant because they wanted those positions of authority, not because they thought how unspiritual. But uh, notice what Jesus did in contrast to, to their perspective of leadership. Jesus spoke about God's perspective in verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called them to himself and said, he called everybody because they were all annoyed at each other now. Jesus called them to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. That's how the world views leadership. That's how some Christians view leadership. I'm in charge. Don't ask questions. I lord it over you. You do whatever I tell you to do. I like being in charge of you. It makes me feel good about myself. Jesus said in verse 26, it is not so among you. 
But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be what? Not in charge, but be your servants. That's what leadership is about. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Well, why? Is this the way you are, Lord? Yeah. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And you know what? Even though Jesus is, is Lord of us now in heaven, he's still serving us. He's still ministering to us. It's a great truth. The greatness of a leader is measured by the depth of his service to those under him. Did you get that? The greatness of a leader is measured by the depth of his service to those under him. You know, that's why it always amazes me. Once in a while, I'm counseling a husband and wife going through some, some difficulty. This happened to me on a few occasions. The husband will turn to me and, he, and he'll say, Steve, tell her to submit to me. And I think, pal, you already lost it. If I've got to tell her to submit to you, you're not going to do it. You've already lost it. And rather than this man saying, as if he really cares about his wife's godliness, he just wants to be in charge. But I, 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 I and this is what I tell them, you know, Really, what you ought to be thinking about is not her submission to you. In fact, the Bible never says husbands command your wives to submit to you. It never says that. The Bible tells her to submit, but let God do that. But the Bible does tell a husband to love his wife as Jesus Christ loved the church and what? Gave himself for her. So a good thing to ask is, what have you done to sacrifice for your wife? She'll answer to God for whatever she's doing or not doing. But loving leadership means not that she bows to you, but it means that you need to ask the question, how can I serve her? What can I do for her? How can I help her to grow? What can I do that's best for her? How can I lay down my life for her? Not necessarily physically, but in this world, how can I deprive myself for her benefit? That's what leadership is about, and that's what Nehemiah is doing here. He would not hurt the people. He knew that he was sent by God to help the people. Integrity demands that we serve them by easing their burdens. Men and women who lead with integrity don't run over people to accomplish their objectives. Did you get that? They don't do that. They don't do that. They adapt their leadership to the needs of their people. In other words, they're sensitive to the people they serve. The people under you don't exist to serve you. That's just a, a totally opposite way of looking at how the world views leadership. The people under you don't exist to serve you. You exist as a leader to serve them. That is the way the Bible teaches. That is a radical thought on our, with our society, but we don't listen to our society. They don't, they don't tell us. We don't listen to the counsel of the ungodly on how we're to live. We listen to what the Word of God says. You see, Nehemiah didn't see these people existing to serve him. He saw himself as being over them to help them, to ease their burdens. How about you? How about yourself? What burdens can you lift off of others under you? Parents, what burdens can you lift off of your children? In ministry, those of you who lead, uh, what burdens can you lift off of those who are under you in terms of, of uh, you serving them? How about a job? At a job, what a great, great testimony you can have. What burdens can you lift off of somebody and still be a, a good leader? What sacrifices can you make for the needs of others? That's what we're talking about. True godly leadership cares about the people it serves. It cares about them. And it behaves in such a way that they can observe your integrity. That's where we have a great testimony, opportunity to have a great testimony. You know, Nehemiah had the right to tax the people, as we said, but he didn't do it because he cared about them. There are some things that we do as leaders to help people in areas that cost us personally. Maybe it cost you financially. Maybe it cost you in time. Maybe it cost you in energy. 
But that's all part of being a leader. That's why you have been promoted. And that's what integrity is all about. Now, Nehemiah lived like this. He refused to use his privileges. He refused to abuse his position. And he refused to add burdens to his people. And, and really, um, throughout this passage, we've seen some of his motives. He feared God. He had compassion upon the people. But in verse 16, or verse rather 19, we're going to see the primary motivating factor of his life. Why did he do this? Why are we to do this? This is where integrity all comes together. Verse 19, remember me, he has a prayer, remember me, O my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. This phrase, by the way, is the primary motivation of his heart because he repeats it seven times throughout this book. It's the first time we've seen it. But it's a prayer saying, remember me, God, give me a reward based on what I've done for this people. He didn't do it to get praise or rewards from the people. And you shouldn't either, because if you're looking to, to have the people applaud you, uh, you're probably going to be looking a long time, a long time. Now, Nehemiah did it not to get into heaven. He wasn't saying, God, look at me, and I'm so self-righteous. You ought to let me into your kingdom because I'm such a good person. No, he didn't do that at all. In fact, the beginning part of this book, he confesses his sin to God and the sins of his people. He just did it to gain God's approval sense of his life, and to eventually get God's eternal reward. I believe he was looking ahead to a future eternal reward. And this is the key to the whole area of integrity. This is what brings it all together. The reason that you forego temporal advantages, the reason that you make personal sacrifices and refuse to exploit people now, I mean, there are a lot of reasons, but the primary reason is because you look to the future for God's rewards. In other words, you understand that someday you will stand before Jesus Christ and give an account of your life. And he will review your life. This is called the Bema Seat of Christ. Sometimes it's, it's called the Judgment Seat of Christ, but that gives the impression that you're going to be judged for your sins. That was already taken care of at Calvary. This is the Bema Seat of Christ in which, in which the Lord Jesus will review our lives and we will have to give an account for how we lived. And if we were people who exploited others, if we were people who compromised if we were people who took advantage, if we were people who didn't sacrifice for others, that's all going to be laid out before us. A shameful time. So when you realize you're going to have to appear before Christ, give an account as a believer, then it puts this whole thing about integrity into perspective. Then you don't say, boy, this is costing me a lot of money to sacrifice. Then you say, you know what? But it's only for today. Because I live with eternity in mind. Today isn't that important. What is important is what I do today will account for eternity. Will God reward me? You say, maybe you think, well, is that a good motivation, God's rewards? I think so. <laughs> Nehemiah had it. Paul spoke about rewards. That's not the only motivation because in 2 Corinthians 5.9, Paul said, whether we live or die, our ambition is to please the Lord. Our ambition is to please the Lord throughout. But we're going to stand and give an account and he's going to look at your life. And what motivates us today to sacrifice for others is that someday this life is going to be over. And you're going to stand before Jesus Christ. Are you going to get a reward for being an individual who had integrity? Would you uh, finally look at Hebrews 11? Don't close your minds. Say, it's always in danger saying finally. You know, because then you say, oh, time to go to lunch. Not yet, though. Hebrews chapter 11. They always taught us in um, 
in, in preaching classes in Bible school, never say them for my last point because then people will close their Bible. That's the last point. So I never say in conclusion, but I just did that. But um, okay. But look at Hebrews chapter 11. Now this, you know, is the great faith chapter. And it tells us that men and women of faith endured a lot. And one of the reasons they endured so much, their trust in God is because they looked ahead for a future reward. Notice about Moses, Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Why? Why did he do that? Why did he denounce being an Egyptian citizen when he could have had all the pleasures of sin, all the luxuries of the court of, of Pharaoh, but he chose to suffer with the Jewish people? Because verse 26 says, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, because why? He was looking to the reward. See, Moses knew that whatever he could get today in terms of finances and luxuries couldn't compare to the riches of the rewards waiting for him in glory. So he looked to the reward and he endured as seeing him who is invisible and that's the way we're to live. Nehemiah had that same perspective. How, how you live today affects the reward you will get tomorrow. Some of us will not get many rewards today. You'll get rewards tomorrow from God. There is a tomorrow. You need to keep that in mind. Those of you who are believers in Christ need to put all of these issues together under, under, under this category of tomorrow. There may be something you need to repent of today about integrity. Maybe years ago you did things that were wrong. Some of you are retired and you, and, and, um, you might say, well, this doesn't apply to me. But how about years ago, what you did at work, how you led people? Maybe, you know, maybe you were nasty to people under you. Maybe you need to make a phone call and, and call up somebody and say, forgive me, I'm, I'm, I was wrong. And don't call them up and say, forgive me if I was wrong. No, don't, don't do that. Or as many do, forgive me, but you know, I was going through a difficult time in life. And no, don't give any excuse. God's grace is sufficient for everything. So there may be some things you need to repent of even back then. There may be some things you're doing today you need to repent of. And you know what? For those of us who maybe don't know Jesus Christ, you need to think that there is a tomorrow. There is a tomorrow. Someday you're not going to stand before him in terms of the Bema seat of Christ. You're going to stand before him, the Bible says, if you don't repent of your sin and trust Christ, at the great white throne judgment. And that, and that is a judgment that's going to prove that you are a sinner deserving of eternal damnation. But you have a great opportunity now. You haven't died yet. After death, the Bible says the judgment. You have not died yet. You have an opportunity to repent and trust Jesus Christ as your sin bearer, as your Savior. And I invite you to come up after the service. One of our leaders will be here. I invite you to come up and speak to that individual. will be standing right over here and uh, speak about your salvation. So let's bow for prayer. This is, this is decision time. This is a time of quietness before the Lord. This is a time of worship. This is a time where you need to get right with Him. Any changes that need to be made, any sins that need to be confessed, integrity is the issue. Have you exploited people? Have you used your privileges when you might have had a better testimony to not use your privileges? Have you had compassion upon people? Have you been sensitive to others? 
Have you been lording it over them? You need to be still before him. And I'll give you that opportunity for those who don't know Christ. You need to consider I'm going to stand before him. I need to know him. Let's be silent and then I'll close in prayer. Father, all around this auditorium as we're communing with you, you evaluate our lives, our attitudes. You evaluate, Lord, how we have lived, whether we have compromised principles of Scripture or not. You're evaluating. I trust that there are those who are getting right with you, making changes, not any excuses. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just remind them from your word that there is forgiveness with you. There is restoration. We move on from here. For those, Lord, who um, need to go to somebody and deal with it, I, I know your grace is always sufficient. And I pray that, that you'll help them to do what's right, not delay, lest there be a, a hardness. Father, I pray that you'll help us as leaders. I pray especially for our pastoral leadership at Lakeside, that what I'm preaching today would be evident in not only my life, but all of the, the team of leaders here at Lakeside, that we would be above reproach. And there would be no one who could point a finger and say that there are ways that we're abusing the people or ways that uh, we could sacrifice and we're not. And I pray that you'd help us to be most sensitive to those under us, to, to really see that our role is to lovingly care for them and to help them to be like Jesus. And I pray for those who don't know you, that they need to know you, and some who don't know you don't even realize that they need to know you. I pray that, that there would be Holy Spirit conviction and that you would bring about repentance and faith. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, there is nothing really wrong with living for eternal rewards. C.S. Lewis, in his wonderful book, The Problem of Pain, said, We are afraid that heaven is a bribe, and that if we make it our goal, we shall no longer be disinterested. It is not so. Heaven offers nothing that a mercenary soul can desire. It is safe to tell the pure in heart that they shall see God, for only the pure in heart want to. In other words, it is not selfish to desire heaven, and the rewards God has in store for us there— because no selfish person would want those kinds of things. I hope you're living your life in the light of eternity. It was good to have you with us today for Verse by Verse and the conclusion of a three-part message by Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio Bible classes featuring his clear expository messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. At Verse by Verse Ministries, we believe that expository or verse by verse preaching is the best way to teach the whole Word of God. We're a faith ministry supported by listeners like you. Pastor Steve would like to share some thoughts with you on that subject right now. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by 
by Scripture because uh, the Word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable, and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car, and, and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-239-0306. That's 727-239-0306. Drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Visit us online at versebyverseradio.org. Thank you, Pastor Steve. You can learn more about Verse by Verse and how to support us at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also have hundreds of previous classes available for download on the Message Archive page, as well as today's lesson. Once again, the web address is versebyverseradio.org. If you'd like to have an audio CD with this entire three-part message, minus the announcements, please give us a call at 727-441-1714. If you get the answering machine, please just leave a name and a daytime phone number, and we'll get back to you during normal business hours. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. If you're in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning and have no other worship plans, we hope you will come worship with us. Pastor Steve would be delighted to meet you. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.